This is The Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Wave podcast. We are back to talk about another movie that should be getting a lot of awards attention as we approach the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards. We're talking about Netflix's Maestro. This is the second movie that is directed by Bradley Cooper after A Star is Born from 2018. And he stars in this movie as well as Carrie Mulligan. And I'm going to be one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined by Liz Seiko. Hello, everybody. And also Zach Miller. What's up? How we doing? We're doing good. <laughs> all right. So this is a movie that uh, we were all excited for. Um, Bradley Cooper is the apple of my eye. Oh. I love this man. Okay. He is my favorite creative entity in Hollywood probably ever. So I had very high expectations for this movie. Um, and I was pleased. I was pleased with, with what this movie gave me. Um, there was there was an elevated sort of sense of his direction in this movie. And I, I think that people were very surprised by A Star is Born when that was his first choice as a directing project. Um, and with Maestro, it wasn't a movie that he was always attached to direct. This was something that Steven Spielberg wanted to do for years. And I know I'm sure Zach's going to bring it up because I know he watched it, that Steven Spielberg produced this film and did a, a long conversation with bradley cooper was it was that through netflix yeah right. yeah that was through netflix um they have a, a video available it's on behind the streams uh and and they have a q a after one of the screenings so they can you can talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. They, well they talk about the movie yeah so th this was something that spielberg was supposed to do for a long time and spielberg similar to people like scorsese and ridley scott as like a very long catalog of movies that have never been made that they've been attached to um but it's cool that this movie got to get made and that this is the type of film that Bradley uh, attached himself to because though it was like in a similar, I guess, vein of Star, Star is Born because it's a musical film, not a musical, but a musical film, film that has to do within the world of music. Yeah. Um, I thought he, again, just sort of elevated everything in terms of his direction with this movie. But that's just sort of my broad strokes on this. Liz, what did you think of Maestro? I loved it. Um, honestly, a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, I think I, I had high expectations just because, again, like you said, A Star Was Born is um, was such like a big uh, first film for him that I think a lot of people had high expectations. But I was just talking to you guys about this. The trailer for me felt a little, uh, I don't know, just dull in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed very just focused on like, oh, we're making like an artistic uh, camera film, like very quiet, very art housey, and I wasn't really into it at first. But then this movie took my breath away. It was so beautiful. Um, it really just moved me, honestly, through the directing, through the cinematography, the performances. I mean, Carrie Mulligan alone, like stunning work. Just the trend, like the whole arc of her character is so beautiful. Um, I think Bradley Cooper uh, does a, a good job of trying to take on this big of a task of doing directing, also writing the screenplay and playing the lead character. I think it was a lot. I think in some scenes it kind of dropped a little bit the ball for me. I think his focus was solely on the directing aspect and making a beautiful film. And so in order to do that, he kind of let a little bit of the acting slip away and didn't focus in on that as much. Um, but overall, I love this film. I think it's really beautiful. It's not perfect, but I mean, you don't have to have a perfect film to love it. It's true. Zach? Um, yeah, I, I really love the film. I thought it was it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, the, the way, like everything was so thoroughly detailed in this movie. Um, down to the camera work down to his direction and his attention to just attention to detail in general and how he was researching as many bits of leonard bernstein and carrie and uh, carrie mulligan felicia his, his wife as, as possible um he sat down with uh leonard bernstein's kids and they they talked a lot about the the movie and i just really appreciated how um Steven Spielberg says in the video too that this isn't just a, a regular biopic, but it's it's about the anatomy of a marriage. And I like how he phrased that because it's really how this relationship was a reflection onto Bernstein, the uh, per performer, 
you know, like I think that all of his tumultuous relationships probably ultimately affected his art too. So there's a lot to be said about how getting involved with a character study like that for Bradley Cooper and then to also direct the film and to make it a period piece. He goes through probably like four decades of his life if you look at the math somewhere. But it's it was just really thought provoking and he he uses a lot of tools to to make the movie a lot deeper than I think any of us expected. So yeah. I really like that. I think that the script is a very, very strong point of this movie, which I think is another testament to sort of Bradley upping his game because I, I felt it. And I love how you were talking about what Spielberg said about the anatomy of marriage. Cause to me also, there's so much that's built in there that just feels so real between the two of them. It doesn't feel like at all, like they're trying to falsify a relationship. Like it's so true. And, and the one thing I do really like about Bradley's performance is that it's, it's in a sense he's he's playing this person that had so much desire to be loved but gave all of his energy to everybody else while still being so like about himself. It, it was such an interesting like person to follow mm -hmm. and, and I, that's why I really also really love this movie and as someone who again like loves Bradley Cooper I, I've consumed as much of his stuff as, as possible but like um, – He's somebody that's dealt with addiction and he's somebody that has had his own real struggles with trying to discover who he is as a person. And I felt that so much of that played in this. Um, and I know you feel differently and it's like I don't know if it's I, I feel that way because I know more about him as a person and I felt that I saw that through the performance. Um, but like even the scene – I'm not going to go too heavy into spoilers right now. We're still non-spoiler. But there's a scene with him and Carrie Mulligan towards the end of the film where they're having an argument towards the later years mm -hmm. of Bernstein's life. And that scene, one of my favorite scenes of the entire year. It's gorgeous. It's fantastic. And there's so much that just becomes alive on the screen from the page in that scene. And it's it just like, to me, the screen, it's one of my favorite screenplays of the year. Um, and the movie as a whole, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the same camp as you guys. Like, I absolutely love this movie. And uh, I don't have many complaints with it, but... I don't know how much more we can talk about without diving into spoilers. Yeah. I mean, I have seen a few people talk about, obviously us three, I think we all love this film. I've seen some people that aren't super in love with it. They appreciate it for the work that they did and that it's definitely a masterpiece. Like the craftsmanship? Yeah. Like yeah. It's, technically it's a masterpiece. Like it's, it's pretty beautiful, but some people have issues that um, the story doesn't, have anything to say necessarily about what happened between their relationship or like uh, I think a lot of people also when they see this as uh, a piece about Leonard Bernstein it's they were expecting more of an actual biopic about like his music and how he made his career and not necessarily the relationship mm -hmm. between them um, so like did you guys like that they took that take of focusing in on the marriage or do you think it would have been more successful if he had focused fully on the career, I think um, I think it was better as as the the marriage and how there are there are even people like celebrity of that time period and then just in general that they have so much going on in their personal lives and then with Bernstein he was obviously closeting his sexuality along with you know how how do I um, focus on my career and my status and then there was there was a lot of like misjuggling that he did in his relationships along with his career too that it's it's also it's kind of a tragedy in that way too because it's it's a real story but a lot of his distractions by the end he's wanting more time with the people that are the most important so i think for someone to say it's like there's nothing there i th i think there's i think they're wrong in that because there's a lot of like the themes that I was kind of unpacking from it was, you know, vanity is is bad and it's it's great and it's hot in the moment and you're getting all this attention from people. He's he's going bouncing around with a bunch of lovers in different situations and then he comes home and his family's falling apart a little bit, his marriage is falling apart and it ultimately like he has to jump through these hurdles that affect his career too. So I, I think that it's, it's a tragedy in that sense. Like it's, it's a historical piece, but 
I think that bleeds through with the screenplay. It's kind of what you were saying with it's a good screenplay. So. Yeah, I think I think that in terms of like, I guess it's hard because so much of what he's doing throughout the film doesn't come off as conflict mm-hmm. until it eventually explodes. Yeah, uh, and I can understand the critics that feel the way in in which you're saying that because I I agree I I do see that there are people that. Don't love this film as much as we do. I, I'm, I'm just curious. I have it up anyway. But the, the Rotten Tomato, yeah. So it has 80% on Rotten Tomatoes for the critics, 70% for audience. So it's actually a little bit worse for audience. Um, Which I will speak I'm on the audience. I think. Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've I already know his story a little bit and like had an interest prior just because I learned about it like when I went to school and heard all about like his musical history. So I kind of had a like a preface for it. Um, people that I've spoken to that really have no connection to this felt a little lost. Did they feel lost in terms of what they were going in and expecting? Like, were they upset with it? Like you were talking about people were upset that it didn't cover a lot of his, um, historical, like artistic work. So you I, really only get it in that one snippet when they're on stage. When they're doing the whole musical, like breakdown. Sequence, I but. love it too, but I think it's also because I can appreciate it because I was able to make the smart connections of like, oh, they're tipping a hat to like West Side Story or like a different musical that he's done um, or like Our Town. And so what I've kind of, I've spoken to this about you guys before that films that just throw you into a world that you don't know and don't give you any breadcrumbs to catch you up, I think people check out very fast. And so this is a very fast-talking film. I think some people in the first 20 minutes, they're not really sure of like, okay, so who is this guy? And like, why is he so great? And like, what did he end up doing? I think that's a fair point. And so I think that's probably why it's getting that audience score because if you're not a full-blown fan already or know what he's done think you're a little lost and you're like okay so he had he he was in a marriage that necessarily quote-unquote isn't like a great marriage but what did he do to deserve a film made about him that's a fair point i i can i i haven't looked at it that way but i can totally see yeah that that's that's an issue and then because if you're looking at it from that lens and you're unaware of certain things like i I knew who Leonard Bernstein was by name, mm-hmm. and I knew that he did like fantastic work in terms of Broadway. But I actually never knew exactly what he did. But again, similar to you, like knowing Broadway and knowing musicals, having like, some foundation, sequence, yeah, knowing that, and then seeing that sequence, I was able to put the pieces together. Yeah, but it feels like uh, I don't know why when you were talking, I thought of like. Uh, I thought of the movie Love and Mercy. Have you guys seen Love and oh, Mercy? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I and haven't. I was thinking. So it's the movie about the the um, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys and the oh, formation okay. of the Beach Boys. And in that film, you have very succinct uh, or distinct, I should say, moments in time where they're showing you different songs that are being created and different moments in the career of mm. the Beach Boys. And that does sort of follow that prototypical, like again, Bohemian Rhapsody esque story. Um, and I'm happy that that's not what this was, but I can completely understand an audience wanting something completely different from yeah. this movie. Like this isn't going to be a movie that you go into and all of a sudden you've learned everything that happened with his career. This I think you is see him more as a human being, a human being, and it's a study on relationship at the end of the day. Yeah, for but sure. I and love sacrifice it. and all, there's there's a lot, mm-hmm. there's a lot. But is there anything else we can say before we go into spoilers? Um, do you want to talk about like? the use of the camera and like the um uh music and stuff like that yeah i mean so at least in terms of like just the opening the whole opening sequence like completely straps you into what this movie is Mm -hmm. if you're if you're someone who really appreciates the um the technical aspects of filmmaking i mean that whole shot in in the uh in the auditorium where they're at cathedral yeah the cathedral is Mm -hmm. remarkable like as soon as i saw that i was like oh boy yeah i was like so excited um, but yeah, I mean, just like I technically, I, I, I did appreciate, and the thing I liked about the difference between this and stars born too, is that a stars born plays in a very different time and era. And it makes you feel like you're a fly on the wall to this pop stars career and going on the road. And you feel like you're there with them the whole time. It just like, feels like you're so embedded in this relationship while this feels like you're just watching like a moving portrait of life. It's like a very, it's a very, again, technically beautiful. Like it's a Marvel to look at. Mm -hmm. Um, but Zach, you could probably talk a lot more to the, to the specifics 
there's something in particular uh, from the film that you want, like a. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Well, there's so I there's a lot like I had in my notes to go through, but um, first of all, to go like I think it's it's probably one of the highlight scenes for a lot of people. But the cathedral scene, I was doing a deep dive on like the interviews and stuff like that. So Bradley Cooper spent six years with conductors traveling, observing how conductors work just to get the the perfect like take well like version of that scene and he was training and he w- he had other people observing him and then he said like when they tried the the first rendition of that scene it wasn't a one take and it was um a couple different angles and he completely bombed because um he was off tempo mm-hmm. once you're off tempo with a symphony you're like it's just crap and then um the uh then when when they went back the second day they were like, let's get the techno crane in the um, cathedral. And this was the actual cathedral that Bernstein like did the whole performance, which is, crazy. Too, which is nuts. Yeah. And, and then they decided to do a one take and then to land the final frame on Felicia. And um, he said that they got it and he felt like there was this energy that, that Bernstein was there with him and like that moment to just do something that epic. But then they were also spending months to rig the cathedral with actual sound quality Mm. so they could mix that entire orchestra and the entire acoustics of the space so like the filmmaking that went into this it was so it was so delicate and so precise like that and for this to be his second film by the way and then to have people like steven spielberg back you and stuff and he was even spielberg was saying in the interview i can't believe this is your second movie like this is unbelievable that you could do this. that's where i think so much of his like i think he's I love this guy. But like <laughs> there's just – there's so much there with him as an artist that it it's it's like one in a million. Like mm-hmm. and, and it's it's – so like there are, there are fantastic actors like Leonardo DiCaprio, like Brad Pitt that are also great producers. But they've never stepped foot behind a camera. Like they haven't written scripts. And for him to like come – another, another film produced by Martin Scorsese as well – and he's worked with such incredible filmmakers over the years. Like, who has he not worked with at this point? And, yeah, Zach, like you said, like, for this to be his second movie ever, like, for the for the grand grandiose of what this film is, yeah, it's just incredible to, like, just watch. And if you look at it from that lens, I think you do appreciate it a little more, even if you're not a huge fan of, like, the subject matter. Because there's so much in there and he does such a great time with his use of runtime, I think. Now, he does – there are moments where you can definitely argue it's like they're going through stuff too fast. I mean he go, you go through four decades pretty quickly in this yeah. movie. It's like, it's like you, you, see, you see the relationship form with him and Felicia um, and then you start to jump ahead. But I don't know. I feel like – feel like we should warn the audience of spoilers at this point because I feel like we're going to start jumping in. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's get it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So if you guys, if you guys are watching still, you guys haven't watched Maestro. Do yourselves a favor. Pause this video. Go on Netflix. Turn the movie on. Sit there for two hours and twenty minutes and enjoy it. And then come back and listen to our spoiler thoughts, where we're going to talk about this movie at full. You guys have been warned. Okay. So this movie does such a. It's it's crazy how it it covers so much time in uh, a uh, a runtime like this. And uh, not to compare it to Rebel Moon, Zach, but like yesterday when we were recording with Vinny and I. And it's like a movie like that is two hours and 20 minutes. This movie is two hours and 20 minutes. And that feels like a movie of nothing for two hours and 20 minutes. (laughs) Bad movie. Uh, But it's like it it makes you angry as, as as someone who indulges in film where it's like you get to see something like that where you're like what went wrong. And then you see something like this and you're like. What a fantastic piece of movie making that they were able to do all of this in two hours and 20 minutes. And it makes it fly. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this too off camera, the runtime queen, Liz Seiko. But I don't (laughs) think there's much that you wanted to cut out of this movie. Like, I think there were things you would have changed. But I don't think there was something necessarily that you would have cut out like you were happy with. It didn't feel like the movie dragged or anything like that. No, not at all. Didn't drag. There weren't scenes that I would cut. I really wouldn't touch the runtime. I think that. Uh, there was never a moment that I was like, oh, God, this is, this is long. Um, no, I think the only thing that I can really say about this film is I think that the structure of the story could have 
used a little bit more work, I I guess. And by that, I mean, have like a, have a say on like, okay, why are you focusing in on their relationship? Like, what do you, what did they, what did Cooper want the audience to walk away thinking about and feeling because, and I want to jump to this because I think this set up the film for like a huge stepping point was it opens with a quote from um, Leonard Bernstein himself. And the quote is, a work of art does not answer questions. It provokes them. And its essential meaning is in the tension between the contradictory answers. And so for me, I kind of get torn a little bit because I'm like, okay, was Cooper taking this like literal? And it was just like, okay, I'm going to make a film that asks a lot of questions, but doesn't give answers. But I think he could have steered those questions a little bit more. Like, why did he choose to focus on um, him being bisexual and then the turn that that takes in his relationship as they go later on in life? Like, like, why did he choose to focus so much on that? Um, Also, I wish he kind of would have they started to tiptoe a little bit into the territory of making him the antagonist. A sl- I don't know if you guys felt that way. Uh, yeah. At which point are you referring to? Like later on in the film. You're talking about his first scene with, um, I think his name is Jimmy. Well, once he Toss. like. Well, so no. Yeah. I, overall, I just feel like, which I really love about this film, is that they didn't make him like some some god person. That, he was like, a person with flaws. Yes. Yeah. And I really appreciated that because for me, um, this film really focused on the flaws not just in their relationship, but in him and w- how that affected his wife, Felicia. Yeah. I think that goes back to the scene that I guess we can maybe talk in detail a little bit more now. The one earlier that I was referring to about the Thanksgiving. Them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how so much of that is he's like, it's such a burden that I'm that I'm who I am. And there there's such a hubris to that that is unfortunate, but it feels Again, I didn't know Bernstein personally. And I don't know too much about him, but there's so much presented within this where he becomes antagonistic for the sake of him just really being enamored with anybody he came across mm-hmm. and especially people that were in his line of work. Like anyone that was an artist, he attached himself to yeah, immediately. And it was something – it was just – it was a very interesting perspective to see it that way. But I do understand like, yeah, he he eventually gets to a point where he's he's showing up late, days late to Thanksgiving and not even like having regard for his family and so much of what – you see it too in the one scene. I think it's like the picnic scene. I wish I remembered like exactly what the lines were. But the conversation that is had between um, Felicia and, uh, and Leonard's sister, Shirley – and she's talking about how she's like she's like she's like this is my life like it's oh all- when they're laying down in like the backyard yes. and it's the first time that she's really saying like I'm taking like she was kind she's of like I'm ta- she's-, she's taking one for the team kind of of like I'm gonna let him do what he needs to do outside of our marriage and like so that he can be happy yeah. essentially and she does that for a very 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 very, long very, time. very 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 long time very long time and. It shows and then you get the eventual point though where you get the flip of it when her character gets diagnosed with cancer and you you sort of see the flip side of that with Leonard. Um, Did did that – was that something that it was like – was that – I don't want to say it was like too much but like if that's the reality of the situation, like were you happy with the way they displayed that or was there a different way that you would have – What part? Like just the whole – Let's let's start with the marriage. Okay. The way that Felicia and Leonard are as a married couple and the sacrifices that Felicia has to make for Leonard, like, did that sit well with you? Like, not as a, not in terms of, like, personally, but I'm saying, like, in terms of story. So, screenplay-wise, not really. I don't think there was a, he- like, a, a plot point that made the catalyst of, like, why does Felicia all of a sudden change of being okay with this and willing to sacrifice into all of a sudden being bothered and like resenting him for it. An argument could be that it's just something over time that happened. It wasn't like an actual event, but I think technically wise from a filming perspective, he took an interesting point of view to show that transition because I think, and correct me if you guys think I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that change was when it went from black and white to color. 
So, yeah. yeah, it's it's when um, right know, she uh, basically yeah it goes to another party scene and it begins color mm -hmm. yeah so I think because right, yeah. it all of a sudden is black and white when they're having like the good times of yes. like them young and loving life and she's like absolutely like do what you need to do go date people have sex do what you need to do so that you're happy and then all of a sudden it cuts to uh, the party scene and now we're in full color and she is clearly having resentment toward him. You're saying the scene where he first hooks up with Tommy, that party scene. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I think his his sexual escapades just became too much for her, mm -hmm. and I which it, it would for anybody. But she she is feeling sort of. So you're saying you you would have liked to have seen the resentment played out in a different way, like you wanted to see it more. Um more direct well i just feel like we went from her having that scene with the sister saying i'm okay with this and i'm gonna do this to all of a sudden being resentful and upset about it oh i can see what you're saying rather than having a story plot point have that transition i think he just tried to show that it was over time by going from black and white to color but okay. i kind of wish that there had been a stronger storyline for that yeah, and, would... Like at a certain point, is this a biopic or like, can't he add some things in to make it a clear storyline? Cause I feel like we just, her character got a little wishy-washy in that middle section of like, what is she doing? Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I would argue that, um, <clears throat> that when everything like kind of has this build up to that Thanksgiving scene where she finally like lets it out and, I think she has that one line where she's like, oh, it like, like stop like patronizing me. Like, like it is so exhausting to love someone who does not like, like the gist of the, what she says is mm -hmm. love someone that doesn't love you back. And like, that was, that just hits hard. So I think that scene in itself kind of, um, defines their relationship that she's just literally lived in the shadow of him, which is another thing that they do with the camera. Like when he's composing, there's literally this huge shadow that she's just, consumed by which is like so symbolic of their relationship of like this guy is going to overtake my entire life basically mm -hmm. and i just have to live with it because i'm the housewife and that's another thing too that i think they were defining that period was another part of the like resentment she held and like she took up her role i guess as, at that time because she was just a celebrity's um muse at that point and then you know he was always just doing whatever he wanted and that lack of respect that he had for her for so long she kind of just like lets it out in the thanksgiving scene so i think that it was just like built up animosity that she's like just kind of playing it off and like no this like like we're fine like we're fine and then like ultimately she's like no like we're not okay like and then they have that that blow up in the the private study so yeah I mean, that's sort of how I felt too. It was just like a like a tea kettle, like just waiting to whistle out. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in the party scene, you do like obviously. See, I didn't get the sense that she was resentful as soon as the party started. I did. I felt like the tone completely already had changed between the two of them. I think there was. I think there was just. Which I mean, I like. I love this film. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just think screenplay, like screen wise and like store written script wise, a little weak. Okay. A little weak in points. I mean, don't get me wrong. When we start getting towards the end of it, oh my god. Yeah. The movie. The movie is heartbreaking. Like rip my heart yeah, out. There's, there's there's a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, she tells him, "Fix your hair. You're getting sloppy." That's after mm -hmm. after he hooks up with Tommy and he comes to apologize for that. And um, does she say to him in that scene that if you're not careful, you're going to die a lonely old queen? Where no, that that's Thanksgiving, in the Thanksgiving right? scene. Yeah, which again, that that it's scene incredible. to me, is, that scene is incredible because it's it's so much of of him like really believing that he is giving his all to everybody at every point and every ounce of him, and he thinks that that's good enough for so someone that he's spending the rest of his life with. And she's so obviously trying to be like, "No, you're not understanding me. Like I've been here." Mm -hmm. being this version of myself for you for way too long yeah like that's not going to happen anymore and i think it's really it, it is incredibly tragic with his wife but i do think the dynamic with him and jamie hits it even harder for me and it's especially in the scene when late a little later on in the movie when him and felicia are basically separated like for a time and he's like super drugged up 
and he's on the phone with uh, his uh, daughter, his daughter Jamie, who's played by Maya Hawk in this. And I love love getting to see her uh, sort of get to get to play in something like this because I mean I love I, I really appreciate Maya Hawk as an up and coming actress, but I think her getting into something as like substantial of a movie like this is definitely going to help her going mm-hmm. forward. And I think that that scene it's just so awful when he's basically talking to her and and shedding his weight of what is on his mind and his disappointment within himself on his daughter and what he's going through with multiple sexual partners. Mm -hmm. And, and she's like, daddy, I don't want to hear this. Like, and and it's just like, especially because you see in, in the, in the Thanksgiving fight scene that um, Felicia is very much, or no, it's it's not, it's not in that scene. It's it's (sighs) after that. Right. When she's like, you better not tell your daughter what's been happening. The rumors. Yeah. So that's a different scene. That's a different scene entirely. But that um, scene too is, that's before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. actually. But I want to talk a little bit more about the Thanksgiving scene. I want to hear um, your thoughts, specifically maybe Zach a little bit on this, on the camera work in that scene of the choice of not doing any close-ups. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, that was another one of the interviews I watched is he was sweating bullets like, do we not get coverage over this? Like, do we get close-ups? Do we get medium shots? Do we um, actually go in? And then they said no. Like, the producer... Um, was actually encouraging him, no, like, go with the long take idea that you have because it'll just let you sit in the room with this uncomfortable distance from them. So, I mean, the same thing for, like, the rest of the movie, too. Anytime he uses long takes, like, even the scene where he's talking to his daughter about the scandal, you're just seeing, like, it's it's hanging on him, and it's, it's like, oh, my gosh, is he going to tell her? Like, you can see him just, like, sitting there like do i tell her do i tell her like should i should i tell her the truth like should i just give it up right now but like the the camera is making you just as uncomfortable as we want to feel for them too and then just them being at polar opposites of the room they're wearing complementary colors they're they're polar opposite to each other in visual ways as well as emotional ways so like the choices behind those kind of decisions is another reason why i love this film and for Bradley Cooper to have that attention to detail with that kind of thing. I, I really like that scene when I, when I realized what they were doing and they were just going to hang on it, I was like, Oh yes. Like, let's go. I'm all the same thing with the cathedral scene and just every other rendition of, of the long take was, was really good. And I think there was, there was a couple other examples I had of the emotional separation just with cinematography. There's, one in the beginning that kind of foreshadows their relationship it's kind of when they're talking the first night and it gets to be this like really close like intimate um medium close up and then in the background is the window of the party yeah. mm-hmm. and you know you think that they they might kiss in that situation this is a pretty like romantic evening but he keeps glancing back in the window and that's foreshadowing his relationship to that he's going to be distracted by things mm-hmm. from the rest of his life by other and, people and she's right in front of him but he's going to always look through that window look through that that social distraction yeah, super manic yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and then even the one there was a very distant shot by the poolside later in the film and there are uh the fence posts in between them and that's visually separating them and then another thing that bradley said was that where supposed to feel distance from them in this space because it's it's like a conversation that he had when he was little or his parents had when they would fight when they were little and he was like this is a conversation i want to hear but i know i'm not supposed to be hearing Mm. so we're separated we're distant from them and we're just kind of overhearing this this painful interaction and and you know we don't know if we want to listen to this but it's it's just further emphasizing how emotionally distraught and distant they are becoming with each other so i thought another really great scene in terms of the emotional uh aspects was when he finally finishes that really uh is it a musical that he's writing where he um it's a scene when felicia run jumps into the pool but i yeah he just wrote um oh i don't remember but he just finished writing he finished a very big long piece and he's very excited to share it with everybody and as soon as he walks into the room, as he's saying that that happens, you see Felicia walk out and just run and just jump into the pool with all her clothes on. Mm-hmm. And there's a look on Leonard's face where it's like for the first time in his life, like in, in his marriage, like she is upstaging him 
And that's yeah. what I felt that mm. he felt. And you see it played out in every single part of Bradley's face where he's just like, I can't believe she just did that. Yeah. yeah. Like I just did. I just gave my all to this. And it, it, it sort of, again, builds that rift between the two of them. And it shows you just like how Felicia is like losing. Like she doesn't give a shit what mm-hmm. he's doing anymore. She's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm not like this is not about you right now. Like you're here with your family. Like and I think she gets pissed at that point too because Tommy's there and they have the conversation. She's like, I didn't think it would be a problem that I brought Tommy. I yeah. brought Tommy for Jamie. And she's like, you brought Tommy for Jamie. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes a whole thing. And he's like, I have to go right, darling. I have to go right. And it's yeah. just like crazy. It's like you finally get time with your family and then you're going off and working. And then so Tommy is your replacement now because he's your new boy toy. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's there are so many layers to 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 that. And then there's another there's another line that he says that, again, I think plays into just him connecting with anybody that has to do within the art scene and music scene, particularly where he says, I love music so much that it keeps me glued to life. Even when I'm most depressed that I can get very deeply depressed where it's oh, like, yeah, where he's in the interview. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and anytime, like it's, it's when he's at the party and he meets Tommy for the first time and he's introduced to him as a young up and coming composer. Yeah. And he's like, all right, new artistic partnership, new artistic romantic partnership have to do that. And even Matt Bomer's character who I wish he got a little bit more, to do in this. Mm. I wanted to see a little bit more of their relationship. But um, you see that, like, again, everyone he's ever been with and he's been attracted to sexually, romantically, artistically, all musicians, all artists. Yeah. So it's so, it's just, it's a very interesting artistic tale that, like, sort of interweaves the emotional complexity that comes with creating. And I think we could all relate to that. And it's like hard because there are certain times where like you have such a great feeling when you're creating something, but then there's other times when you'll create something great and then you'll think it's amazing and then you won't get the reception that you want and then you feel depressed by that. And so much of that is just put on the screen in this movie. And that's where I, I, I love the screenplay because it feels like he's talking to us like through his performance. I don't know. I just I, I I really like this movie. I yeah. know. <laughs> what am I ranting? No, I I love it. I love hearing about it. Um, I also think um, I want to talk about Carrie Mulligan a little bit. Yeah, I was gonna say to because go with the, yeah. she. Uh, so like talking about the long takes. Also, for me, I felt like the first everything before her character was introduced was very chaotic in like the best way Mm. was to show like he's a young composer he's running around new york he's trying to get gigs he gets his big gig oh my god he's moving a million times and then all of a sudden we're introduced to her and it's that scene of her just like walking as hit uh like the music is doing a huge like uh crescendo yes and like she's just like staring at the party and i just was like oh wow oh so good it was reminiscent of like old hollywood too. yeah Yeah. it was just such a breath of fresh air after this whole rat race in the beginning and then and like for me from that point on there was a lot more long takes so like the way i interpret that is her character somehow grounded his uh, like being and made him take a little bit more of a break, really start to settle down and start thinking about, okay, what do I want to do with life? Um, but oh my God, what a performance. Like her so arc is just incredible going from like the young doe eye, just in love girl to then kind of starting to have marital issues, but wanting to cover it up and keep it quiet for her children to full on blown, like almost divorcing each other and being separated into then showing up at the cathedral and like supporting him. And the thing is, is with all these different beats and changes, I believed every one of them. It was never a moment with her character, except in that little part, like with the time change, that part, but I think that screenplay. Um, I fully believed her at every moment. And then to be like told that you have cancer. Oh my God. That scene was so heartbreaking, but also like very honest and real. Yeah. I love that. It wasn't like the doctor telling her that she has cancer and automatic tears. I really loved that. She just like let it sit first. And then eventually it was like, okay, now it's becoming overwhelming. It yeah. wasn't like automatic. It was even beautiful. even the immediacy for uh, her to say, well, I have a play coming up. I know. Yeah, she's like, like, I have things to do. She's I gotta so the devoted kids. to yeah. the art and to her family that like it's not even uh, 
there's so much love in her heart and care for other people as well that unfortunately isn't like showcased in the way that it's as showy as Leonard. But th that's a perfect scene to indicate where she's like, no, like I have, I have a career, I have kids, I have like, and and it's just it, that's it was, a great scene. It's too. just heartbreaking. It is it so the whole the whole turn that the movie takes when she gets cancer. The scene of oh her sitting God. in the chair with her friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That oh my God. Hard. First of all, okay. And they stay on her too. On for, her, the whole, she's yep. not even talking. Yeah. She's just coughing mm -hmm. into like the tissues. tissues. And she's, she's expertly folding the tissues and stuff. I saw her mention too that I think she had a friend that had cancer and she actually took that from a moment where uh, her friend had like folded up. Like that was her routine. That mm -hmm. became her routine. But the same thing part of her character was just like i'm going to still try and conduct myself as the same woman that i can be and she never wanted to like reveal her her cancer to people like with her hair or, mm -hmm. like she always wanted to keep as much of a modest appearance about herself like she always wanted to be better than, yeah. than how she was feeling um and and then you know just her undying support for her family was unbelievable and and that's where after she reveals with the cancer, I think that the entire movie gets flipped on its head because yeah, Leonard's sure. like, I need to give up what I was doing now. I have to actually focus on her and spend the last moments I have with her and be there for her. And then there's that one scene too where he like just lets it all out emotionally in, in his oh, study. Yeah, and he screams in the oh, pillow. So yeah. So so good. I also just loved that because the like contradict or the comparison of her dealing with her emotions is uh, like either like, like cry. Yes, yeah. like bury it. And for him, because he's such an extroverted person, he needs to let it out. But he also doesn't want them to know that he's letting it out. So he has to scream into that pillow. Like yeah. what a great... What a great way to show his character expressing. Yeah, I, I, I do love the movie as a whole, but I do think um, it starts to like have a, a deeper emotional weight as soon as you sort of see the separation happening between the two of them and then as soon as she gets her cancer diagnosis it just hits a different level i think this is the best performance of her career it's gorgeous it's, it's beautiful absolutely fantastic it's definitely up there yeah i really absolutely. want her to get nominated i also love the fact and i mean this could definitely be true i don't know but the fact that they reconnected before she was actually diagnosed like when she's standing there in that blue dress after he finishes uh mm. the like sim i think it's a, the symphony in the cathedral and he like the first thing he sees is her he locks eyes on her and runs over to her and they just embrace each other it's like finally they're back together and i don't know why but i've just loved that they kept the cut of her having his just like sweat stain on her yes. dress yeah yeah it was yeah so good yeah, yeah. i'm so glad they kept it awesome mm -hmm. i actually there's no hate in your heart yeah, uh, yeah. oh yeah. my god yeah. i went back there and then i i realized I, yeah i went i looked at the captions and, and when she says no hate because i couldn't i couldn't understand it the first time the music was glaring but um yeah, the fact that she said, no, I have no hate for you. Or you, like, you didn't do it out of hate. You did it out of love. Like, you didn't want to love other people. But, you know, I can understand that. And I can, like, learn to live with that. I think that's what she was, like, trying to say. But, um, yeah, I mean, just, just the amount that she was willing to put into that relationship. And just to be there with him, like, through anything was unbelievable. Yeah. And, and that really showed in the performance. So... I also loved the scene of when they're at lunch, her, the daughter, and the um, Shirley, Leonard, uh, yeah, Leonard's yeah, sister. Yeah. And, um, oh, my God, there's so much to unpack in that scene. First of all, when she starts to – well, the, the daughter finally leaves, but then she, like, starts to express – I think it's the scene when she's, like – um, I always like laughed at my children that they always wanted his attention. And like, I felt like I was better because I didn't necessarily need his attention. Mm -hmm. Such great insight into her character. Um, and that she, and watching her say this like out loud for the first time of like, and I do want his attention. Like, I, I don't want to be that person that is, doesn't need him. I do need him. It's just gorgeous. And then also the makeup and like hair of foreshadowing that she looks sick and that something's wrong with her before they actually when say it. When she's doing the show? 
when she's doing the show and yeah. at lunch because all of a sudden you're like why does she why did she age so much in comparison to everybody else and then it's like two scenes later you find out that she has cancer yeah is that the scene too uh with the daughter and the and where she says it's my own arrogance i think i could survive on what he could give oh uh, yeah i think yeah, so which is another like again so self-referential and just being able to she she was seeking out something with him and that's again in the in the point where she's still so angry with him before she goes to see the performance but there's so much there that's baked in like a real anger towards somebody where you're you're hoping for someone to be able to give you what you've always hoped that you give out to people it's like you're always waiting for somebody to be able to return the favor so to speak but some people are just incapable of loving that way and that's such a great um like reality of what their relationship was like you were saying zach and when she says there's no hate in your heart it's like there really was no hate from leonard it's just he loved so intensely and so mm -hmm. deeply for so many people no yeah. matter what they were doing and that took like this huge force like out of him and it took so much energy for him to do that and all that energy comes out when he yells into the like the, oh my god the movie's so nuanced and there's, there's it's so, so many layers to it yeah and okay let's talk about this part, see, it made me cry so much. The like laying in the bed scene. Another when like he, oh, static shot. Yeah. Yeah, oh my just, God. They just, sort of they're just holding zooms. it on them for so long when he comes out and he's like, where's the patient? Where's the patient? Trying to make light of it. Yes. And then all of a sudden he realizes he's like, okay, oh my God. Like, no, some, like she's not doing well. Yeah. And then he just sits there and cries with her in bed. I was like, oh my God. And then the window. And the wind. Well, first of all, her oh. wheezing incredible it's like it's like a legit death rattle it's, it's kind of crazy it's and like it's not overdone yes. it's very subtle it's not like she's trying to be like make it graphic or yeah, yeah, yeah like it was just very subtle and then i talk, i think i talked to you both about this the transition of then showing that she passed away without actually having to verbally say like mom died yeah oh so good it it's was beautiful. so beautiful it just great cinematography great direction such there. a heart-wrenching movie man the movie so makes gorgeous. you feel so many different things yeah it does yeah it's like it's like also just kind of a self-reflection in a way too of like what is important to us you know mm -hmm. like because i think he feels that regret with you know i lost time like messing around and not focusing on what was important in front of me the whole time so it's a little bit self-reflected and then also asking us like what would you do in this situation if you had like celebrity at your fingertips and you know there's there's a lot of like themes you could pull out of it i think but an extract yeah i i really like how but i again i know i know this has been a criticism of some people but i think certain films and i think this movie does does it to the grandest scale but it's like this is a movie that doesn't really explain what their relationship is it's just sort of presenting it to you mm -hmm. and i think that that's a really beautiful way of of being able to showcase something that was so much it seemed like it had such a deeper meaning to him and to the family who obviously like had and i think i i'm pretty sure all of them loved the movie and were very happy with everything that bradley decided to do with it in spielberg mm -hmm. but there's there's so there's so much um within it that just it's 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 so human there's like so much humanity in this movie and it just feels like again you're you're seeing it all transcribe itself all like in front of your face it's, it's weird to like even describe it's like that's all movies right you're sitting there it's all visual but it's it's something where you're you're really seeing this relationship play out and the the importance of what relationships to other people are to some people like some people are not people people right or person people i'm i'm, I'm getting mixed people. up people people it's people <laughs> whatever i'm totally getting mixed up in my words but there are people that don't aren't into like having conversations having a lot of friends all that type of stuff more introverted yes more introverted types of people this movie is so extroverted but then those moments where you're seeing characters being more introverted are so it, it's such a clash between people that don't understand what he's going through and the people that sort of surround themselves with him and it just creates this crazy amalgamation of relationship and connection. And I think it's wonderful. I think the movie's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I did read something um, that the kids did support this film and they they loved it. They don't 
see any issues with it, um, especially because I think we should talk about uh, how this movie got a little bit of uh, attention before it even came out because of the, the prosthetic. prosthetic nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did it bother you guys? Like, what did you think about the makeup? Did you <clears throat> like the transformation of him? Cooper becoming him? it was noticeable to me for maybe the first minute and then it just completely disappeared mm-hmm. for me. Um, I don't know if you guys felt similarly, but even again, in terms of the makeup, like I, I thought he, I thought they did a great job with the makeup. I did and too. I, especially when you see the, the ending. When he's um, older. You oh, see the ending yeah. shot. Yeah. And, and the scene, the scene in particular when he's, um, he's teaching. There's it, so much to unpack with th- it. That, first of all, that's like one of the most realistic scenes I've ever seen being like an art student. Like it's just everything about that is so real and was so true to it seemed like who he was mm-hmm. and who other uh composing teachers are uh so i mean yeah i i love the transition of being able to see him and i love that they they actually did him uh use bradley for every single mm-hmm. sort of version of that and i know there's other uh ways that other uh filmmakers have done it where they'll take different actors for different time periods i thought bradley was able to play him fantastically at every single age you know, it yeah. just it just worked for me. I don't know. But yeah. do you want to talk about the the um school scene towards the end? Which oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that it was just like really great. And also I thought it was interesting story wise to have him not necessarily change that much after his wife passed away. Like it wasn't like he became some saint or like became a completely different person. It was just like, okay, now I'm I'm I am who I am and this is me. Um I thought that the hair and makeup was really great. I also, one thing that I appreciated about his performance was the change of voice over time. Mm, How he was very young in the beginning and changed and got much deeper and raspier probably from aging, but also like the amount of cigarettes. I was also going to bring this up earlier when you were talking about the... (laughs) This This was the first thing I noticed in that scene where they frame them so close to one another. Yeah. He's just blowing smoke yeah, and carrying smoke yeah, just, most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Puffs. I was like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. I was like, I hope they did this in one take. Like, I can't even imagine <laughs> how much smoke was blown in her face in that so scene. Much. But so much. Every uh, single scene, a, he's smoking a cigarette. Just like a great note, though, of like, okay, he's getting older. His voice is going to get raspier. Mm-hmm. Um, he yeah. also looked up um, apparently that he had like a, a nasal issues. Um, so he started to add that more mm. nasally tone. When he gets older, he had a deviated septum. Yes, yeah, that's what it is. I couldn't remember what it was. So yeah, so he added that into the age, and then like like he did have a couple periods where he he talks about like how he altered his voice. Nice. So that was another detail. But yeah, like you guys are saying, yeah, the attention to detail. It was great. I do wish, and I said this before, I wish he hadn't had. I wish he didn't try to be him so much like i wish there were moments that it seemed like he was trying to portray leonard bernstein rather than being him. i don't know i it felt was a little it, was, showy did you feel that the whole time or did you feel it at certain ages only in certain um uh i felt like as he got older it got better and he stopped caring as much i think that it was in the earlier scenes you know what it is? It was in the earlier scenes because it was always said that Leonard Bernstein was like the, the light of the party and like the biggest person. And I felt like Cooper was trying to match that energy. So then it seemed a little too performancey rather than being him. Um, but eventually over time, I, I got over it. But I, a part of me, I was like, OK, so you're trying to be him rather than just be an actor yeah but then we get it i've i talked about this like did he take too much on of being a director also writing the screenplay and acting as the lead like that's a lot it's a lot to do i mean i think you made a note in the notes of that he had to or somebody did that he had to sit for like four Four hours hours of makeup you get in at 3 a.m do four hours of makeup and then he had to switch gears into director mode and okay what, what scenes are we doing today and then also he would um apparently continue talking like lenny while he was directing I scenes because it was his best way to like 
stay, stay in, in it. it. Yeah. And, and just to, then that's awesome if you're getting conducted and directed by yeah. <laughs> Leonard Bernstein. But I just can't imagine. I thought he put his all into it. He did. Like there, there's, yeah. Yeah. there's so much that he had to give to this. And it's, it's again, just knowing, like hearing interviews with him and, and hearing his story, I felt like there was so much that he used in his own personal experience within this performance. And I think that there are so many similarities between Leonard Bernstein, uh, Leonard Bernstein and Bradley Cooper, like probably, especially in terms of like the internal feeling, like what it is to love certain people and how giving he is. And I mean, he's frigging going viral for selling Philly cheesesteak. Like that's what he's <laughs> doing while he's on like maestro is like the biggest movie on Netflix. Yeah. He's selling cheesesteaks off the back of a truck. And it's I love like, it. Yeah, yeah, me too. But it's like, that's, that's a part for me, at least not to, I mean, just my own opinion. Like that's where, I didn't get that sense. I didn't feel like it was – I think the character is showy. I think that the character is someone that, again, is so extroverted and is so extra that it it felt like he was literally trying to just give out like the biggest joy that he could be in life. Mm-hmm. And maybe he manifested that into his performance. But um, yeah, I, I, I do think he's great in the movie. But I, I Carrie Mulligan is she just hits is top tier in this for me. I think she's, I think she's her getting a nom, people. One hundred percent. Yeah, she would. I, she's I, definitely I would. getting a nomination. But yeah, um, is there anything else in terms of like the technical stuff, Zach, that you wanted to touch on? Um, just like real quick, but not not that much. But the there was a couple of music cues. There was another like Easter egg type of thing. But like when um when they uh i think it was matt bomber or, or a couple of his other lovers that he had at one mm-hmm. point they drive up in a convertible and he chose to use the west side story uh mm-hmm. motif and um for him to use it there i was like oh okay like he's establishing the rivalry between carrie mulligan competing for the relationship of like the sharks and the jets yeah like like they just invaded her personal space like you can do this outside outside in the apartments like whatever places i'm not in but you just came into my home and then i think soon after um she jumps in the pool i think that's the same uh sequence but yeah that was just one other thing i noticed so again like more detail was was used um than the like average moviegoers like should definitely look at like the the reasons and and everything that was articulated visually like everything was put into this like for bradley cooper to have that attention to detail on his second film just to say again like is incredible so yeah and for the trust for spielberg to give this to bradley and i'm actually i'm reading on imdb um one of the top things on trivia it said that spielberg when he was considering directing the movie cooper showed him an early cut of stars born and after he watched this shallow scene he walked up to him and said you're directing maestro mm, so really? it was like immediate like and that's on his directorial debut which again wasn't i remember when it was announced because there were multiple i think it was originally supposed to be um bradley wasn't supposed to star in that i don't think either but it was originally supposed to be beyonce and then they had an issue getting her. And then I think they might have talked to Rihanna about doing it. And she said no. And then they brought in uh, Lady Gaga. But th- for for a directorial debut, too, and to take something that was so established as a star. Like, there were three other versions of A Star is Born before he did that. And then to make it so wholly his own. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just – I'm very, 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 very excited to see his future as a filmmaker. And I do, though I love that he has the ability – I mean, he learned guitar for Star is Born. He learned piano and conducting for this. Like – I would love to see him do something a little different. Yeah. But I'm excited for everything he's going to do. Like it's similar to like with uh, with Greta Gerwig where it's like uh, I like Lady Bird, Little Women I liked even more. And then she went just completely in a different way with Barbie. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that's what we get to see with Bradley. Like I want to see Bradley do like – I want to see Bradley evolve in a way like the like Affleck did with directing. Like I want to see Bradley do like a crime movie. Mm-hmm. Like give me something Wild. where it's yeah. like – Yeah. Or like a, like, like if not – I should. I would never want to see a remake of this movie, but it's like I want a movie in like the vein of like a Heat. Like, give me something like I want. Bradley or like Cooper's Place Beyond Heat. the Pines. Yeah, that. Like yes, he was in exactly, that too, but exactly. like that kind of. But modern, he's worked with so yeah. many great directors so many too yeah. that he's able to just. I, I feel like he's such a sponge. Like, there's no way he's not with all the different types of directors that he's worked with over the years. I mean, the list is immense, but yeah, I this was this was a great movie, and yeah. I think I think we're all. I loved it. Yeah. I also think the reason it was so successful for him is that I read somewhere that he um, 
like grew up interested in conducting already so yeah. it wasn't like he got the script and was like oh i like this script okay let me do it it was already a passion of his <clears throat> which i mean you guys can probably relate to anytime it's something that you already have a connection with i feel like it just opens up your imagination completely and so that probably helped him with visualizing all of uh the shots and ev the whole film yeah for sure i loved it though yeah i did too go um, for scores Go for scores. Do you have scores. anything else left to say? Well, I was just going to say, should we talk about the awards potential? Ooh, yeah, oh, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's do that. So, so yeah. um, we were talking a little bit right before we recorded. I think all three of us completely agree that Bradley Cooper should get a directing nomination. 100%. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we're all in the same boat for that. That's death. All three of us think Carrie Mulligan should get nominated. Yes. Pa I, I, she might Did even... she your pick to win? Uh, it depends on the category. Like she's if she in. goes supporting, if or she goes lead. supporting, it's between her and Gladstone. Lead. Gladstone's not getting supporting. I don't know. She's not getting nominated for supporting. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. My people will talk to your people. Yeah, we'll talk. But she does. She's gonna get nominated. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Do we think Bradley gets nominated for acting? It's a stacked year. It's a it's stacked, stacked year. year. I think if he gets in, let me see. Do you think, Liz? Maybe I, he more might, than Leo. Uh, 100% <laughs> more than Leo. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If if Leo gets it over than this, well, I, I would. They love Leo. They really do. Yeah, love but he Leo. also didn't get like whatever. But I think. <laughs> <laughs> what so do you funny. think? Um, what do you think, DJ? Um, I'm just taking a, a look at the updated list from Hollywood Reporter. Um, there are two performances that I think should definitely win over Bradley. 100%. Yeah. Uh, my yeah, pick, yeah, yeah, yeah. My pick as of right now is Paul Giamatti for holdovers. Okay, great. Uh, but Killian would probably be right behind him. Um, right now, Hollywood Reporter has him number two. I so, think he'll get nominated. But I, And I think he will get nominated, but I think he'll probably be like that four or five type of yeah. guy. Like, um, I think if he gets it, it's going to be a shock to him just as much as it is to everybody else. Yeah. I, and to be honest with you, I don't, I, I be, I don't think he would care yeah. if he was nominated for best actor. And I mean, of I course, I think he's going for directing. Of course. 100%. Of course yeah. he is. He's going to start campaigning. And this, so does this get a best picture nomination for 10 films? Probably. Yeah. I would hope. I it agree. Does. Yeah. I agree. I think mm -hmm. it's the MO for the Academy too. I think that they, this is, they have it on their list as number it's, seven. It's in their safe 10. house. This yeah. is like a safe house film for it's them. Oscar it's Oscar bait. For yeah, sure. it is. Yeah. It's about an artist too. Like mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I mean, it's also beautiful. Yes. It's a gorgeous I agree. film. Does it get a screenplay nom? No. <laughs> she was quick with that one. No. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I hope it does. I, I think, don't think so. It's gonna be hard because there are like a good amount of screenplays. So I I think it's like in the it's just outside the the five. I don't I don't think it's gonna get in just because of how stacked the year. This would be original. Um, they have really, to, yes, it's not like adapted nope. off of no, nothing technically adapted, nope. just about they chose to adapt it on his life and things that he went through. Okay. No, yes, so Hollywood Reporter, their list for front runners Barbie is one, Past Lives is two, Holdovers is three, and Adam Even Falls four. Maestro would be five. Right behind it is May, December, Saltburn, and Air. Saltburn better jump up there. I'd, I think Saltburn <laughs> deserves screenplay over this, okay. I well, I could get behind that, but I guess. Yeah. I think they should both get nominated. I don't think um, Maestro should for screenplay. But I know you also aren't a fan of the holdover script. Which script do you like better, the holdovers or Maestro? Maestro. Really? And I think holdovers is like one of the front runners to win best original screenplay. I just feel like I've heard, I've seen the holdovers like on Hallmark before this storyline. Did you just compare the holdovers to a Hallmark movie? The performances are way better, but the script and storyline. <laughs> what the fuck? Liz? <laughs> script and storyline. Jesus, I have was not seen cool, it before. Liz, I've Liz seen I'm not cutting before. to you anymore. Oh my I've God. seen it before. Liz is not even getting cut to when we present her score. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Love you, Liz. Um, all right, scores. <laughs> um, I absolutely adored this movie. Uh, I am again now my New Year's resolution before January. I am switching to halves yes. and full scores, and because of that, this movie is one of six films already this year that has gotten a ten for me. I think this movie is fantastic. Uh, I don't, I, I don't feel similarly to you at certain as certain things for the film. Um, I am biased because Bradley is Bay, um, but. <laughs> This movie is a 10 for me. I think it's a fantastic movie. I, I, they're, they're, no, I'm giving it a 10. 
I'm giving okay. it a 10. Yep, I'm giving it a 10. That's it. Go ahead, That's Liz. It. Well, I feel like I've shared my thoughts. I think uh, there were some scenes that I wish he had a, strong, a slightly less over-the-top performance and a little bit in the middle of the screenplay. But I still loved this film. Like I said earlier, I don't think a film has to be perfect in order for you to love it. Um, but I'm not giving it a 10. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Oh, dang it. I thought about it. It's so I, high up on my list, though. Like, I'm pretty sure it's in my top five. Yeah, I, yeah. The thing is, like, out of the 10s that I've given this year, it's probably the lower one. It's probably the lowest one. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a 9.98. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Zach. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ten as well. Wow! Yeah. Wow. And I'm gonna say that because um this is one of the smartest shot movies like cinematography wise in the last probably like 20 years. Mm. I'm gonna say. That's even a I'm gonna go out on a limb and the, if this was shot normally like even adam mckay style or like oh other biopic style mm. like oh, like oh, let's just say, say wolf of wall street too like it's it, the camera is not as present to the emotional tone in those movies as it is in this one mm. i think i mean you can make an argument for it but this one shot to perfection everything was detailed thoroughly bradley did an amazing job bringing to life a musical piece and an intimate piece too so i i think that's alone just blew, blew my doors off for sure is so. this in your top three of the year i think it's in yeah i think it's number three or four now for okay. sure yeah okay do like you that. think this is winning best cinematography after your statement? Oh, how did I not bring that up? Yeah, definitely oh, gonna get nominated. Def oh, nom but, I mean, you said it's it's one of the smartest <laughs> well, shot shot films in twenty it's, years. It's gotta get nominated. It's gotta get nominated, or else I'll be really upset. What is but, it between this or like Oppenheimer for you for cinematography? Yeah, yeah, dude. That that film being shot on seventy in both black and white and color and then just everything else that was involved with that and then oh my gosh i'd have to really sit down and think Com about it but play them both at the same time uh, side like, by side yeah, yeah let's put yeah. double monitors, yeah, double right, monitors. yeah maybe the black and white and the color will line up too Wait, there you <laughs> go. So, but um i i don't know there's just some even like all of us strangers looks shot pretty well holdovers is shot pretty cool i don't know if it'll get an arm but there's there's a lot of like film poor, stock poor that things. they've been using poor things should win actually that's yeah that's in our next conversation the third wow. yeah, that shit, you're right no you're totally right i don't know how that would just escape my mind given that we're doing our next podcast on it but like <laughs> the um oh my god what is that shot called i'm totally blank yes yes yeah. mm -hmm. it's it's used and it's not in an annoying way because sometimes i'm like oh god why are we using this right oh, yeah. now it's it doesn't for the sake of using it yes. oh, we'll get into that yeah so good though so good <laughs> Anyways, that's a different episode, which is coming out coming soon, out. everyone. I think, I think board things will be out before this episode. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so, guys, that was our full-length analysis and review on the Netflix film Maestro, which was written and directed by Bradley Cooper. And Josh Singer, which I, we forgot to mention, also wrote Spotlight, which mm -hmm. I think he won an Oscar for that as well. He did the post as well. Um, produced by Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese. We all loved it here on the network. Make sure you guys check out my show if you haven't already and you've been watching this long, then that's on you. You got everything spoiled. Um, but if you guys also love this movie, let us know in the comments. What did you guys think of Bradley Cooper's performance, Carrie Milligan's performance, the incredible direction that he was given in this film. Um, if you guys don't already, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell for alerts. We have tons of content coming not only for the rest of this week but going into 2024 we're going to be talking about our favorite movies and tv shows for the year we're going to be talking about our most anticipated movies and shows for 2024 plus all of the reviews that are still coming that we have backlogged and new stuff that's coming for you guys as well if you guys don't follow us at cinema wave media you can follow us on tiktok you can follow us on instagram as well as on facebook and on threads you can also follow us at underscore culture wave media and at Jersey's finest pod on Instagram as well. Just signing off. I am Darian Scalamoni. I am Liz Seiko. I'm Zach Miller. And we'll see you guys next time.